0: Hey
1: everybody, David here, and welcome to the ASOG Podcast. In this episode, Lucas and I sit down with Jill Trotta, the Vice President and General Manager of Industry, Sales, and Certification at RepairPal. We decided to have Jill on in order to navigate a whole host of landmine topics. The result was Jill and Lucas doing a great job of discussing difficult subjects, while I proceeded to burn every bridge I could find. Or maybe not. We'll see how folks react. Either way, please take a moment to hit that like button if you're on YouTube. It's quick and really helps us out. If you haven't been triggered by this episode, consider subscribing to the channel. If you're listening to this on your favorite podcast listening app, make sure you're set to automatically download the latest episode so you never miss an upload. And now, here we go. Now now I base where I want to move to on the taxes in the area. <laughs> oh,
2: I, so, my, uh, like I gotta, my property taxes are insane.
1: Yeah. Well, there you go. That would discourage me entirely from <laughs> yeah. moving. Uh, I, I don't know. Just look at that. I go, what do the sales taxes look like? What do the income taxes look like? What do the property taxes look like? How many things are going to be taxed if I you know, just do a simple transaction and – you know it's got to hit so many check boxes so that pretty much eliminates 90 percent of the country and i'm i'm like narrowed down to like just two small areas of the entire country that i that i find acceptable to live in and other than that mm-hmm. like, no forget it i'm not moving there
2: yeah
1: sorry lucas north carolina doesn't fit the bill <laughs> tennessee however Tennessee know, right? is on the list yeah yeah that's I definitely. know a lot of people
2: have moved to Tennessee actually a lot of people from here have moved to Tennessee
0: there's there's part there listen there's different types of Tennessee <laughs> I promise <laughs> well you I mean you've been to my area you know what it's like here um you know within a few miles of here there are places that the sheriff's department says uh yeah um listen if you go up there. <laughs> You're on your your own. own. We're not going. (laughs) We're good. We'll pass. Um, So, um, you know, very diverse crowd in the mountains of North Carolina and Tennessee. We'll just say
1: that. David, you'd fit right in. (laughs) Listen, I need a a nice big plot of land so I can grow my food. And uh, I need the property taxes to be like Montana. I looked into moving to Montana. I'm like, they don't have like income tax, sales tax. They don't have anything. And I'm like, this is going to be, this is paradise. It's on the mountains. So we've got a nice, clean mountain air. Nobody lives there, right? Hundreds of miles without anybody uh, to see, and th- they make their all of their money on property taxes. So if you own a large plot of land, you're going to get taxed to death. But oh. if you don't live, if you rent or whatever, you, I guess you still have to pay for it in the rent. But um, you know, just simple transactions, none of that gets taxed, and your income doesn't get taxed. I think they have a capital gains tax, and that was it. But other than that. You know, so but the, they got off the list because I do want a fair size plot of land that I can grow some stuff. Yeah, in, and maybe. you're kind
0: of, well, I don't want to say weak-minded, but you're definitely, you know, I mean, when <laughs> it comes to tough stuff, I mean, I don't think.
1: Define you know. tough. <laughs> okay. Like, I'll chop the chicken's head off. I think. I can do it. I've never done it before, <laughs> but I think I can do it. But I know… I will I will be fine, you know, harvesting the eggs and just eating eggs. So if I don't, if I'm yeah. too squeamish to kill the chicken, I need to be you within driving distance eggs. of a place that I can just <laughs> drop the chicken off and go. Hey, uh, this is uh, Mrs. Hen,
2: <laughs> you right and on?
1: I need <laughs> I yeah I need it for dinner tonight. Can you take care of it? And I get back a you know a cleaned up chicken that that I can eat. But even oh. if I if I can't get to that point. I'll at least have eggs, and then you know whatever I can grow in the ground. Well, I I do. Uh, well, a you know you got the whole winter thing,
0: right? It's kind of hard to grow stuff in the ground with three foot of snow on top of it. Secondly, um, you know, y- you know most of Wyoming and Montana still has like one G, right? They're not even to three G yet. <laughs> the internet's not great. I don't think you're gonna
1: have a good time. satellite internet, man. Satellite internet, yeah, it's not a thing anymore. Like, that was true, like, five years ago. Now, there are satellite choices that have decent speeds. Decent speeds. I mean, it's not like we have five. You better get you a satellite phone, too, because that's the only way you're talking. (laughs) That's okay. And And I'm okay with that. Like, are you kidding me? I was looking into Linux phones. Are you kidding me? Like, I want to be able to just click and nobody can track me. That's what I want, Jill. Have you figured out he's he's kind of like Mister conspiracy, conspiracy Conspiracy Theory? theory. No, I, don't know. I said about conspiracy theory. It's not even a conspiracy. There is a guy sitting in Russia who cannot come back to the U.S. Oh my okay, <laughs> he, 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 what are you guys talking about? It's true. This guy sitting in Russia cannot come back to the U.S. because he will be immediately sent to Gitmo. I guess they just closed Gitmo, but. He will get immediately sent to whatever the replacement for Kitmo is going to be because he ratted out the NSA. Hey, listen, I just want everybody
0: that's listening to know something very, very important. When you see me make a comment where David is involved and
1: I say, please don't get him started. This is exactly what I'm talking about. This is entirely your fault. It's entirely your fault. And everybody knows who it is. It's Eric Snowden. Yeah. He ratted out the NSA. He, they, he watched them spying on normal Americans like, hey, this is illegal. And he had to escape to, to, uh, to flee prosecution because they were going to throw him in jail for, <laughs> for pointing out a government agency doing something entirely illegal. Uh, look, I, I think it. I- Lucas and I have been telling you about parts tech for a while now
0: Click the link in the show notes to get started. I think it speaks volumes that when you've done something that you've made so many people mad, the only safe place is Russia.
1: Is I there, mean, that that's is really a bad. whole different
0: <laughs> level of I, I screwed he was, up. He
1: had to he had to go to a country that didn't have um, that didn't have an extradition cheating. agreement. Yeah, with the U.S. So Venezuela, is man, Venezuela. Venezuela. But yeah,
3: you, but you're not but going you to Venezuela. Russia? Like,
1: who wants to eat your pet? <laughs> Like I don't want to go have to chase Fido down to eat, otherwise I starve. Like who, who wants to go live there? Nobody. Listen, so, wh- I mean, the, I got to um, be honest, bro. A Russia. couple
0: days might be good. I mean, like what's you know, that? a few days of of starvation. You know, I think me and you both could handle. A few well, we're not going to starve in a
1: few days, but you know, three months later, we're we're uh, we're having to to elbow some little old lady so we can get our bag of rice. <laughs>
2: I don't know. I had like bags of rice show up on my porch yesterday that I don't know where they came from. You probably
1: don't eat shouldn't eat them. them. That's sketchy. <laughs> yeah, I know.
2: Beans and rice. Like several bags of beans and rice just showed up on my porch. I have no idea where they came from.
1: Oh my That's somebody's goodness. bags of beans and rice.
2: I know,
1: <laughs> it was supposed to go two, straight, two two doors down and now you've got uh, you got grandma's dinner.
2: I know. Oh, you gross. know, I mean, I uh, I walked around and asked people if it was their beans and rice, and nobody claimed it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I've got free beans and rice. I mean, that's free just beans, that's beans and rice. I grew up on
1: beans and rice. So throw with beans and rice. That'll feed you Who for said a while. was wrong with beans and rice? No, beans and rice, love- and you mix them together. Oh. That's breakfast. The d- dinner in is in the <laughs> evening. Yeah. What's that?
2: And you put them in a tortilla. I grew up with my grandma making tortillas every morning and a fresh pot of beans and rice and that's what we ate
1: (laughs) yeah yeah we didn't make the tortillas we didn't have tortillas my uh if if we were in guatemala my mom we would go and that was the nightly activity they would send one of the children to go pick up the tortillas from the corner um lady Um, the tortilla lady and there would be three or four little ladies just sitting there making tortillas on an open fire and then you would you would bring your basket and you'd get a, a handful or whatever you come back and uh and that's what you would have tortilla with whatever it is you're having for dinner that night but when we were here in the states that wasn't a thing uh you didn't get tortillas because there wasn't a corner lady making them and my mom uh. didn't make them so we had just rice and beans no yeah. fresh tortillas my grandma
2: was the stereotypical little mexican lady
1: now I'm making hungry. tortillas yeah, every
2: morning <laughs>
0: with bacon grease oh man oh, yeah,
2: that's a good <laughs> stuff
1: there throw yeah in
2: the
0: bacon grease have man. you with have you seen
2: grease.
1: so have you seen the the lady on youtube that cooks to, um um what is the name of the the youtube channel so there's this little uh little mexican woman she lives in uh, i think Michoacan, and she lives on a ranch And like her kids started uploading videos of her cooking. And if you watch the earlier videos, I mean, it was, it's like they're cutting with whatever they got and they're cutting on this chunk of wood. And, you know, you can tell it's like, it's down home style cooking. And that's essentially like what the channel is, is her showing uh, everybody how she cooks just whatever meal. Right. But she, the, the channels like got like a million and a half subscribers and every episode gets a hundred thousand plus views. I mean, the lady's a millionaire at this point just from, from YouTube ad revenue, but you know, like what she's cooking, she, you know, she's growing in the backyard. You know what I'm saying? That's awesome.
2: Yeah. That's awesome.
1: You know, I, I don't think that, that, you know, it's like
0: my, my grandmother, both of my grandmothers, man, they used to cook these big meals and and you don't realize how much you miss a little thing like that until they're gone and they you know it's not a thing anymore I, I still remember you know growing up when you know sunday mornings um mom would cook a big breakfast and then she'd already have the chicken in the oven for lunch and i i still remember fussing about what we were having for lunch you know because that's what teenagers did and i yeah. look back and say man Wish she cooked me a chicken for lunch, you know. It just you know, man, <laughs> yeah.
1: get old. Well, fast. yeah, I mean, that's that's some of the it's it's that's really weird because some of the the food that my mom used to make, my mom's not that, that good of a cook, and <laughs> but there were certain meals that she made that you know just remind you of your childhood, at yeah. least the good parts of your childhood, and so you would. um She used to make this like uh, it's a Puerto Rican dish, but it's, it's essentially like sugar, milk, and a really, really fine cornmeal. And, and then some cinnamon. And that's pretty much it. She used to make that all the time. And it had been years since I've had it. But now I make it for my kids. And my daughter likes it, my son does not. But I, I wanted them to experience something that I grew up eating in the mornings. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Hopefully they'll appreciate it awesome. when they get older. They don't
0: care about well, it. Well, yeah, I mean, you get nostalgic <laughs> and you, you look back and you say, damn. I should have, but you know, that's life, right? Just part yeah, of it. Yeah, You're
2: like, I should have paid more attention I should have oh, learned how to do that. So I could, could make that. No, that's it's what the internet's
1: of- for. You're kidding me. I wasn't going to ask yeah. her. She would have been like, oh, you just throw some stuff in the, in the pot and you know, it just comes out and it's fine. And like, what are like, what are you talking about? Do you got salt? No salt? What, like, what are you doing here? She doesn't yep. know. I don't think she yep. remembers.
0: My my mom still every holiday makes this big pan of yeast rolls, right? They're all homemade and and they rise overnight, and and she oh man, I shouldn't even be talking about them because so hungry. I can't see straight. Can and <laughs> and you know it is a tradition for it's something that generation after generation after generation have learned from her, um, and and you know it came from her mother, and I think that's so cool to to look back and. And begin that process of, um, you know, teaching the next generation something that happened before. I just think that's so cool, you know? Mm-hmm.
1: All right. Yeah, we should probably get on topic. Hey, but I do want to ask you something, Jill. Sure. There's this shop owner. Uh-huh. He, he started this group and he called the group yeah. the Super Appropriate. Uh-huh. What is it? Uh-huh. What is it, Lucas? What? Gentlemen's Club. It up super appropriate. No, 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 no no, 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 It was in gentleman's club. That sounds. Uh, <laughs> that right. sounds. It was something like that. <laughs> was Hold something on. We'll like look it, it. up. Uh, gentleman's uh, group. Or...
0: Uh, hey, did I tell you he messaged me the other day, wanted
1: me to call him and tell him about my pay plan. And I said. Yeah, I told him. Uh, I told you to tell him to, that, oh, Dave Roman wrote it for me. Why don't you ask him? So he, he do not have, the,
3: well, he don't I have ever, the
1: cojones to call me. Did I ever tell you he told me
0: that? Uh, well, I need you to call me by nine.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah. Get out of here. You need you to, to call him what? By nine. I like, I need you to explain this to me AM.
1: and I need you to do, call, call me by nine. Like Whatever, yeah. dude. Get out of here. Um, he, was, he was kind. He was polite. But I know a lot of people No, don't what are you talking about? That's super douchey. What are you talking about? I need you to call me by nine. It's like how about I don't to, call you at all. Compared to the way that other people speak of him,
0: I guess my point is: is he was very kind to me because he wants something he was
1: from demanding. I do something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was kindly demanding something of you. Yes, yes. It's the super appropriate group of gentlemen shop owners. What? The whole super thing, super group. What does that yeah, mean? super appropriate group of gentlemen shop owners. And there's a picture I, that might be Ernest Hemingway. I have no idea. I don't know whose picture that is. Dutch and, is and so
0: on fire about it. He's so pissed what's off. That? Me? Dutch is so pissed off. Uh, uh, that they're the sharing
1: group. the group? That's because yeah. he got kicked out. But <laughs> And and, um, and so they, they shared this group. And this group's been around for a while or whatever. But they've attracted some prominent, fairly prominent uh, shop owners on there. And, uh-huh. you know, they turned it into kind of a mastermind. And they have some interesting stuff on there. I'm not part of the group. I'm not cool enough, but whatever. <laughs> and um, You have to be, like, accepted guy, into
2: the group.
1: Yeah, yeah. So they have to, yeah. And it, not only that, like, they vet you pretty hard. Because I have friends that have been, that have tried to get in, and they've been vetted pretty hard. But the I think I was in there at one point, disagreed with the guy who started the group. Just disagreed with him. I said, Well, I think maybe this way is a better approach, or, you know, I don't like to do it that way. I do it this way. But because I disagreed with him, I got booted, like immediately booted. Oh, wow. And so, and then banned, and then he blocked me, and then he unblocked me. It turned into a whole thing. But they post this thing on there, and then, like, woman after woman shop owners, like, what the Hell, what's up with the name?
2: <laughs> <laughs> is there any women it, in it?
1: Well, yes, there is. And that's their, that's their, that's their like reasoning for not doing anything about the name. The name is just, I I get the name, like the name would have been funny as a tongue in cheek kind of thing. But now they're actually like, they're trying to turn it into a legit like coaching group, like mastermind slash coaching group. But then now change the name. Like, you got to change the name. But they didn't think that that was necessary because as they started putting women in the group, they were asking the women that were in the group, do you want us to change the name? And they were like, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. And then no. I said, well, the reason why they're saying it's fine is because they're already in the group. Like, and also, yeah. if you disagree with anybody in the group, you get kicked out. So <laughs> they,
2: well, and then maybe they're not the people to, to ask. What's like, that? Most women aren't going to even try to join that group.
1: Exactly. That's what I said. I said, why don't you ask women that aren't in the group, whether they would be willing to join a group called whatever, whatever, whatever gentlemen and see how they feel about it. And, um, and then, so that's what I posted that publicly (laughs) (laughs) and Mike, Mike messages me and he goes, man, we're getting a ton of applications for this group. I thought that was ironic. I'm like, okay, mostly all men or probably all men. Right.
2: Yeah.
1: What do you think of the yeah. name? Do you think that's a, a, a good I mean,
2: name? Probably not a good name for an all-inclusive group. If you're going to include, you know, have a diverse range of people in the group. Probably you don't want to call it the Gentleman's Club <laughs> <laughs> or Gentleman's <laughs> Group.
1: <laughs> I think it was supposed to sound like old-timey. Um and that was the look and like the logo they created a logo which by the way if you copy any portion of that logo this guy will threaten to sue you into oblivion <laughs> just for copying the smallest portion the color scheme the color scheme can't be matched this font has been trademarked by me and only me and you can't even use this font screw that guy anyway sorry <laughs> But oh man! Anyway, it's not the boring. way we wanted to start off. <laughs> right, Jill? What's up?
2: You know, just uh, hanging out, just day to day, just trying to get through this pandemic and you know make things happen.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I'm glad you're here with us tonight. You know, David is is very hard to settle down sometimes, so you know need somebody to put him in his place pretty <laughs> thankful you're here <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> David what are we talking about you, you 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 make me do the intro but you never tell me what we're
1: talking about what are we talking about David R- Well we're gonna talk about this gentleman's club and then <laughs> pass oh, that I <laughs> <All> beware um, <laughs> David is
0: really big into the grudge thing. Right. And I don't mean that. It's no' of no, weird, not.
1: crazy, For, <laughs> forgive and forget you absolutely forgive and forget, or at least don't let it bother you. Like, don't, don't, that's not you, bro. Like that's not that's you. That's absolutely I, me. Bro, like, I, unless, I, I'm, unless, listen, unless it, I'm you sorry, that's not make the kid.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and things irritate me. I will say that. And when they come back up, the irritation is present again. And you're like, oh yeah, that's right. This guy's a douche. Thanks for I was reminding really me. Really
2: irritated by
0: that. Yeah. <laughs> do you, David? Do you patch sidewalls of tires? What's that? God,
3: do you God you patch I the
1: sidewall of <laughs> tires? You plug them. You don't patch them. You plug them. <laughs> oh. I had a customer. I had a customer. I have a customer. <laughs> I have a customer. He, um, he, uh, he, he came in. He's got this '95 GMC Sierra. I mean, it is beat to hell, but he loves it. And he still drives it, and he put whenever it breaks down, he fixes whatever's wrong with it. He doesn't care. He rides his motorcycle, and he's got this GMC pickup, and that's just what he has. And it's whatever. And he, uh, the, the, one of the times he came in was a failed spider injector unit. And not only that, the lower intake had corroded away. That it was causing this massive vacuum leak. So it needed a lower intake, that whole aluminum chunk, plus the spider injector, plus all these gaskets and this, that, and the other, aside from whatever the hell else it needed. And we, um, we get it all fixed. The bill's like two grand or whatever. And I look and he's got like, when he brought, he dropped it off. He's got like this string of tire plug hanging out the sidewall of his tire and it's holding air
3: and it's like this <laughs> it's big totally all-terrain good.
1: tire and this thing is just like sticking out and i'm like hey what's up with this tire plug and he's like yeah i had a hole in the side of it and so i plugged it it's holding air and i'm like you know that's not, that's not safe and he goes yeah i don't have money for tires i gotta drop two grand here on this uh, injector thing i'm like okay you should get that fixed as soon as you can though <laughs> And well, then you I post a picture fully. of it in your Google My Business, bro. No, what? I didn't. No, I didn't. Okay. That, the guy was pulling something out of the thing. Anyway, don't, don't get me started on that. <laughs> so, like a year later, and then he shows up once a year. That's what he shows up because something broke on the car or on the truck. He shows up a year later. Thing's still there. But this oh, time, he, I think he needed like a clutch and I don't know. It was like three grand. I bought him tires. I didn't charge him for it. I just bought him tires he's loyally been coming back to me ever since what's that yeah because yeah i'm like oh thanks (laughs) for dropping three grand i felt bad is what it was is he's dropping three grand with me but he still doesn't see the need to fix this tire issue and i'm like no 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 we're we're gonna need to fix this tire so (laughs) i bought him two tires i cannot
2: in good conscience let you roll on a tire like
1: that (laughs) i knew he wasn't gonna get rid of the car yeah everybody says oh i'm just gonna get rid of it it's like okay and then a year later they come back he wasn't no he didn't say that he was like yeah that's fine. I'll deal with it later <laughs> okay. yeah so what were we talking about I don't know you rude this thing is going me. so sideways I'm sorry Jill. <laughs> <laughs> I, listen, I, I you didn't even tell me what we were talking about. So I, We were supposed to speak and talk about diversity. We, and Jill and I had this fantastic conversation about diversity in the industry. And and, cool. and she's like, what do they need to talk about inclusivity and making people comfortable with the shopping experience at, at your store? Because yeah. it is very easy to make people feel slighted by even if they're seemingly innocent reactions but you need to at least be conscious about it and be a little bit more aware and do your best to to make people feel welcome yeah do I have the gist right
2: yeah totally and you know not make assumptions right up front and be comfortable with asking questions you know about how people maybe want to be addressed about their relationships, um, about all those different things. It's important. And, um, you know, one of the situations I think that kind of kicked us off and, and David and I were talking about was oftentimes when I go into somewhere and I've been <laughs> in these places to get my car fixed, ironically, and they will ask me if I need to, um, speak, call my husband, um, or I will be it. In oh, come on, hold one on, hold these. on. When was the last
1: time that happened? Can I, actually, can you need to call actually, your husband. You, I, I would do get do murdered over the phone. Somebody will come through my phone
2: yeah. and
1: kill me, like rip my throat out if I ask. Do you need to ask your husband if that's? Uh, okay? I you mean, know, what a the last oh, the last man, time this rough. was
2: happened was was God, I don't know. So a, a few years ago, and I had my BMW into. I was working um, at a Mercedes dealer. And across the street was a BMW specialty shop. And my convertible top on my E36 had stopped working. So I took it over there to get it fixed. And it needed <coughs> some of the little sensors and things. And it was going to be a bunch of money. And uh, I, the guy knew that I worked. I was one of the advisors at the Mercedes dealer. <laughs> and he still asked me. <laughs> If I wanted to talk to my husband about the cost of the repairs. <laughs> oh, oh man. I yeah.
0: you know, I I can see saying, are you the the individual responsible for purchase decisions in regards to the vehicle? Yeah. Are you in are you in charge of the maintenance and, and uh repairs for your vehicle? Is there anyone else I need to discuss this with that might be like possible? I've never even had to ask that. I've just been yeah. like, "Hey."
1: <laughs> so that was part car. of my check-in sheet back back pre-COVID when we do did check-in sheets. Is they would say, um, "Are you the?" Well, I can't remember the wording, are but it was essentially maker, asking, yeah. "Are you making the purchasing decision for this vehicle?" Mm-hmm. Uh, if not, write down who I need to talk to because you know if it's a college student and I need to talk to mom and dad about it. They need to write that down so I can mm-hmm. I don't have to repeat See another myself. 100%. Yeah. Uh, and and whoever needs to get the spiel needs to get the spiel. But just write down who needs to get the spiel. But mm-hmm. I wouldn't ask. Like if I'm if I'm already on the phone having a conversation with somebody about the cost of this, that and the other, I'm just gonna assume that's the person I need to talk you're to. You're gonna
2: assume that that's who you're gonna talk to. You know, in a lot of cases, um, Like when I, one of the big things, like I'll, I'll go into a place with my wife and they don't automatically assume that that is my wife. They will assume that that is my sister. They will sometimes, because she is a bit younger than me, assume, ask if that is my daughter. Um, (laughs) And I think those make things make you feel really uncomfortable. um, Yeah. Right. Right. When you go into places because you don't, feel like when you go in there that you're seeing for who you are, um, as a person and you end up having to explain, or in most cases, it's just like, whatever, um, you know, maybe you won't go back, but those are really good opportunities because if you create a welcoming environment in your shop for a diverse group of people, you will get a level of loyalty from those, from those people, You know, if you you have a, a, you know, a gay or lesbian couple come in and you, you know, acknowledge their relationship or that they will feel comfortable coming back to you and they will use your shop. You know, we have businesses and restaurants and things in town that we use all the time because when we go there, we feel comfortable. And I think right. you know that's that's super important, um, you know, especially in this day and age.
1: So what what is it that makes it comfortable? I guess that's my like curiosity in this, because I've walked into so we have a, like a very heavy uh, Mexican population here in Kansas City. Like there's a there's a certain part of Kansas City, Kansas that is you know the signs are in Spanish and everybody in the store speaks Spanish and. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I am a hundred percent Hispanic, but I look white. And so I walk in there and, you know, in their super broken English, they try to communicate to me in English and I get it, but they're making assumptions about me. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. if you're speaking to everybody else in Spanish and just because my tone, my skin tone is not the right color, you're going to then stop what you're doing and then try to speak to me in super broken English. I I can understand that. Like, I get what they're trying to do. But at the same time, like, you know, just treat me like everybody else. Like, I get it. And maybe I don't have the right look or whatever. But I don't know. I'd reply in Spanish and I'd just rattle off whatever. (laughs) Like, It's okay. Just talk to me in Spanish.
2: It's really interesting that you say that because my wife is from Chile. So she speaks fluent Spanish. What's interesting is all of a sudden Amazon started emailing her all in Spanish. She did not pick that Kaiser as well, started emailing her and sending her all correspondence in Spanish. So they made an assumption, I guess somehow that she would want this correspondence in Spanish and she does not. Um, And you know, it's things like that. Like, there's not an agreement about that. So, and she, I, and I said,
1: guess that's my question is how do you even broach the, the the issue? I have a customer who's, who's not like Mexican. Like, his name is Joe mm-hmm. Padilla. He's 100% Mexican. Yeah. He speaks perfect English and perfect Spanish. Now, he's one of, he, he like served in the Marines. He's, he considers himself 100% American and therefore, He speaks English. Don't address him in Mm -hmm. Spanish. He does not appreciate it. He won't reply to you in Spanish. He wants you to speak to him in English, and only in English. Mm -hmm. That's just the way he is. And I can understand that. I I, go ahead.
2: I think just asking people, like you think, yeah, that's uncomfortable to me.
1: Like I I don't know. Like if you walked in with your with your wife and and like I just wouldn't bring up. A situation like i would avoid saying something that would make the assumption that that person is your sister your cousin your yeah. wife whatever like i am not mm-hmm. going to say anything that even broaches the issue because i don't know
3: yeah i'm not you, comfortable
1: yeah. asking because i don't yeah. i don't want to make assumptions either like so, yeah, so you're uh, also uh,
2: not going to make that assumption you know and i'm okay like in certain situations people will ask you know and i'm okay with that like is this you know is this your partner and a lot of times in those situations especially if i'm building a relationship with the business i will bring it up and i will just say hey this is my wife and she might be picking things up for me so you know you might want to put her Yeah
1: that saying, would make yeah, things so much easier for me
2: <laughs> you know to kind of just put it out there um but, but then even, you were talking when cases, we talked on
1: the phone you were even yeah. talking about the reaction because if you came in and you said, hey, this is my wife, so and so, and she might be picking it up later on, it's like, okay, I'm yeah. fine. Like, I, I don't have to make assumptions. I don't have to ask. And like, it's whatever, right? Yeah. We'll just carry on. But you said, you you were even talking about when you have to mention that this is your wife, people yeah. would give you a, like a strange reaction and be like, what? Oh, uh, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. And
2: sometimes it's like, oh, you know, and you could tell by their initial reaction, like, that they are shocked because one of the things about like my wife and I is um, people mostly in California and they they assume they will assume that I am a lesbian and which is totally fine. Um, But like my wife, we always, she's undercover. So she has to come out to just about everybody um, that doesn't know her. Just because in terms of her appearance, she doesn't, she just appears just to be, you know, she doesn't appear gay. If there's a way to appear gay these days, (laughs) you know, you never know. So, you know, there's a lot of nuances to it. I'm older. I, you know, we live in California, but I can tell you. From the traveling that I do with RepairPal, mm-hmm. I've been in some very uncomfortable situations through the oh, South, through the Carolinas. Um, yeah, where- Lucas. Yeah, (laughs) Uh,
1: listen, we're going to make you answer for all of the people in both Carolinas. You can't group me with those people. (laughs) Don't disparage them. 90% of our audience is in North Carolina. What are you talking about? (laughs) You can't (laughs) group me with anybody. I'm one my own.
2: Yeah. And, you know, I think I think the big thing is that. There's there's diversity everywhere. So there's, you know, gay people, trans people, there's women, there's everywhere and making your shop a really inclusive place and not making huge assumptions and and accepting people for where they're at will get you more business and and create a loyal customer base.
0: Well, you know, look, so I'm going to bring up something that my wife always tells me and she's like, you don't ask the questions I would have asked. Right. You yeah. didn't ask this and you didn't ask what color their dog was and you didn't, you know, the, those aren't my things. Right. I, You know, I, I'm kind of like, hey, tell me about your car. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't go into the in-depth conversations. You know, my wife yeah, um, mm-hmm. and she is all about having that conversation and learning and understanding and learning about who you are. Once you get to know mm-hmm. her, you know, and, and you, you were very lucky. She doesn't talk to many people like she sat and talked with you for, what, an hour and a half or something. Yeah, like that. A long she, time. You, you know, she doesn't you know, she finds people that she wants to talk to and learn about them and and have a conversation. So she'll go through a series of questions and she may ask those questions and she'll do the same with clients on the front counter from her. It doesn't come across as crying or trying to figure out, you know, why, why are you this? Why are you that? Mm-hmm. It comes across as I'm trying to learn about you. Yeah. Right. Whereas for me personally, you know, you know, kind of how I come across it is that, look, I love everybody. Right. I mean, yeah. 100% straight up, no BS, no fluff. Like I, I genuinely believe if, if we can all just try and get along right? I I want the best for everybody. I understand there's people out there that they're not interested in that concept. They're not interested in this kind of like neutral, just, you know, live your own life, go your own way, do what you want to do. As long as what you do Mm -hmm. isn't directly affecting me, Yeah, then it's really none of my business. It doesn't mean that I have to live your life for you, you know?
1: Yeah. And
0: I think that, that, you know, it it scares me in some senses because i don't want someone to come into my facility and think because i didn't ask that i was uncomfortable with it or i was this that or the other in regards to that mm-hmm. however in the same respect i want them to know that it doesn't matter what their personal choices are i care about them i want what's best for them i want what's best yeah. for their automobile
2: and you want right? their so that Audi comes, Audi comes so off though. Like-
1: what's that do job? what
2: I didn't hear what you said, David.
1: No, oh, I was going to rattle on. No, what, what did you say first? <laughs> you go first.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's 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 tough, and you, one of the things that I, that you've said that I really like is like a, you know, kind of accepting people for where they're at, and realizing like you know, we all want to be happy, and you know, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Um, absolutely is, is important. And as long as like, what makes that what makes you happy and, and what your, you know, how you live your life isn't like adversely affecting how I live mine, I will defend you to be able to live it however you want to live it. Like, um, one of the things I really appreciate about David is that, you know, I'm, I am from Oakland, California. My grandmother was an illegal alien. She came here illegally. My my wife is a green card holder, you know. I live in Oakland, which is arguably probably the most liberal town in the country. You know, but so we with David we've had some really good com- like back and forth in on Facebook and and call them
1: arguments. You know, it's okay.
2: Yeah, a we'll, little, you know, but <laughs> you know there's there's a respect there and i think in a lot of it, especially this last year like there's a lack of respect for each other and how we live our lives and that that's really hard and you know especially in an industry where there is you know there's some diversity but there's not a lot of diversity in the industry there's not a lot of women in the industry. There's not a lot of, um, you know, diverse races in the industry. And, um, you know, going forward, like, how do we make it a more welcoming place for everybody? There's a tech right. shortage. So, <laughs> you yeah. know, there's a, a tech shortage. There's a shortage of people in the industry. So Why? why is there not more diversity because
1: the, uh, and th- I think that really depends on the area of the country though. Uh, it really, mm-hmm. d- because I will say like, if you go into that area of Kansas city that I was talking about, there's a shop in every corner and mm-hmm. it's, you know, some guy who quote unquote works on cars and yeah. they are doing some hacky stuff.
3: Oh yeah. For but sure.
1: unfortunately it, it'll, it It's almost like the the kids in the neighborhood that want to become uh, a mechanic. They see what those shops are doing, and they just they think that that's the way you do things.
3: Yeah, and
1: they don't necessarily venture off into the neighboring area to go find work that is, you know, not at a hacky shop. Yeah, Um, and so I. I think, the, and, and that might just be because of that's what that's what they're comfortable, or they're they know the person, or the families know each other, or whatever. Right? That's just where they're comfortable working at, and so that's what you end up with. Um, and that some of these areas are economically depressed; I think mm-hmm. these are poor areas, and so the shops aren't. They're not charging the top uh, um, labor rate. They don't. Mm-hmm. They're not well equipped necessarily. They're just doing what what they can get by with. Uh, and so you almost have to stop and go, well, what can we do about that? It's not as easy for them to raise their labor rate. Yeah. Because their neighborhood is, can't afford it. Like that's just not what they can do. These aren't Taj Mahal buildings. These are like old gas stations. And I mean, there's just several neighborhoods in Kansas city. Yeah. where you just drive through and you see shop after shop after shop and, little and they're, wall. Yeah, What's, yeah? they look like hole in the walls and they're probably operated like holes in the walls and they're probably not making a lot of money and their technicians are getting paid that well. And, you know, just everything that we talk about being problems in the industry are present in these areas. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what to do to fix it. You know what I'm saying? Like they're from the neighborhood. They live in the neighborhood. Their shop is in the neighborhood. It's not like they're going to get up and go. Well, I'm going to go to the to the Richie Richie side, Richie Rich side of town and open up shop there and double my labor rate. That's not what they're going to do. I mean, they're mm-hmm. just going to run their business as best they can. But at the same time, we're we're getting to the point in the industry where they may not be able to continue their business without, yeah, you know, getting tooling up without increasing their their expenditure on training. And so they're in a really precarious situation and I don't know yeah. what to do to help them. If they can be helped, I don't know. I mean, that's, no, that's really difficult.
2: You know, it's really interesting that you say that because, you know, at repair pal, we have areas of the country where we have gaps in our coverage. Um, like El Paso, um, Texas is one of them. Um Greenfield, I think Greenfield, North Carolina was another one. So in an attempt to meet shops in those areas, um, I have been boots on the ground there many times in these smaller areas. And Can you see the reality. The past, mm-hmm, you see the reality. Like in El Paso, we, we now have a couple shops in that area. But we probably, I think in in a, in a week-long visit, I visited about 30 shops in the area and sat down and talked to the shop owners and tried to figure out, you know, how to get them to raise their standards, how to get them to get involved with training to make sure that they have the right training and the right tools and equipment, even offering to provide them with some of those resources um, so that, you know, we could have coverage for our, our various partners. And a lot of them, you know, were not interested in that. And their labor rates were very low. And I think, you know, in a matter of time, those shops are going to be obsolete. They're just not going to be able to keep up with the technology. They're not going to be able to work on those cars. And a lot of the, quote, diversity is in those shops. So it's it's how do you... Bring those shops <laughs> and get them to raise their training to a level, um, you know, that they're going to be successful in five, ten years from now.
1: Yeah, and that's almost, and that that's a conundrum, right? In five to ten years, they may be obsolete, in, mm-hmm. in unable, completely to work on vehicles that are in their neighborhood. These will be ten-year-old vehicles at that point, and they're going to have a certain level of technology and they just haven't tooled up and they haven't trained for it and they just, you know, they don't have a you know they're just releasing the the 1234 into the atmosphere and trying to refill it and maybe they buy a machine and then they realize oh crap every vehicle through here has got a 134 mix in there and we're going to have yeah. to charge a ton of money and I mean I didn't I, I don't know. <laughs>
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I, I mean, don't know, it's but it's like
1: it's a nice ideal, I think, to say that we need to bring in more diversity, but it's it's difficult to say how it can actually be done.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think one of the ways is is tar- There's not auto shops in many schools anymore, and the trades have really been like. Put at like kind of I don't really know how to say this, but it's like not what people want to do. It's not, you know. We had spoken about how when I went to um, trade school to become a mechanic, my father was very very upset about it because women don't do that, and he didn't see it as a field. He was a he. One of his things was. One, you'll never be accepted. And two, you'll never make any money. Now, both of those things in the long term turned out to not be true um, <laughs> at all. Um, but I think that's the overall feeling of the trades. And how do we rehab that reputation? How do we get schools to open up auto shop programs in the school and fund them with current equipment and present that to students, to the diverse range of students that are in schools now as a viable option. You know, everybody wants to code. Everybody wants to do data science, all these very sexy careers. um, But how do you get people to go into the trades and make it friendly for them?
1: Well, Well, specifically from those areas that we're talking about, From all areas, though, and
0: and you know, it's like, um, for instance, Jill. I think you even met Bridget, but you've talked to Bridget a number of times. Uh
3: Yeah.
0: Um. And and you know, I'm going to tell you right now we we've actually recorded something about it in the past. Bridget is a phenomenal technician, and a phenomenal apprentice, a phenomenal worker. She's a real Mm -hmm. asset to our business. Um, And one of the things that we discovered through having Bridget work for us, um, is that the primary reason that those young ladies in the, um, whether it's the automotive class or whether it's another skilled trade class in the high school or the college, the main reason they don't continue is they're never given opportunity. And, you know, one of the things that I have seen, and we've talked about this, You know, we've got a new young lady who's going to come on as an apprentice. And I got a call saying, hey, we just want to make sure you have an opening because we don't know if anybody else in the area would be receptive to this. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Well, she's a girl. (laughs) Are You Mm -hmm. even kidding me. Why wouldn't you want to hire somebody that's Mm -hmm. productive like that? Why wouldn't you want to give them that opportunity? Why would you give a crap what their bits were? Yeah. yeah, I mean, it, what does it makes make? zero difference to me. Uh, well, I mean, here's the situation is the one thing we do have to watch in our shop is our guys become extremely protective of Bridget. And mm-hmm. I think you see that somebody commented on a post that had her picture in it a while back and had something derogatory to say. Yeah. And, and I had to have counseling hour with three technicians saying, listen, people are going to say what they're going to say. We don't have to respond to that. That's their business. They can believe what they want to believe. We know better. It's cool. Chill out. We don't have to go find out where he lives. I promise, it'll <laughs> yeah. <that'll> be fine. <laughs> you know,
2: we don't need um, to go knock on his door. <laughs>
0: exactly. And and you know, I I think that that it it does not make a difference. Like David said, what the bits are, right? Yeah, human being. Right, and I, I think as a society, if we were to get to the point that we recognized each other as human beings first, recognize mm-hmm. we all have things going on, we all have different beliefs. You know, my daddy told me when I was little, son, worry about living your life first, and I've I've that's always stuck with me, and I spent a number of years worrying and stressing and and frustrated and. You know, anxiety causing, anger causing situations because other people weren't doing what I thought they should be doing in any given scenario. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: And I'm going to tell you what, my life got significantly better when I listened to my daddy and started living my own life instead of worrying about everybody else's. I'm going to do me. They can do them. Doesn't matter whether I agree with it or not. That's their business. I appreciate them. I love them. I care about them. I want what's best for them. And that's the end of it. Yeah. And I just don't think that, you know, and and as we began to have some of these conversations within some of the groups and and some of the Facebook pages where these things were being talked about. I did not realize there were quite the number of people who would stand up and say, I can't believe you would allow that. Mm-hmm. Uh, what? Well, I would kick them right out my front door. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean,
2: I think this last year has shown a lot, yeah, you know, a lot of where people are at, a lot about what people value. Yeah, and and it really it's been wonderful in some ways and really disheartening in other ways. And um, you know, wonderful in that there's a lot of people stepping up. And really helping other people and, you know, leaning in and, uh, you know, financially helping out their, their service providers, you know, their hairdressers. Like I know when we're going into restaurants now, we are definitely over tipping, um, you know, just because it's important to help take care of each other. Yeah. Um, And I don't think there's enough of that out there. And, you know, we could have very different views and sit down at the same table because what we do have in common is that we're human. And, you know, we all have families and we all have things that, you know, are important to us. And, you know, I think it's just having a general respect for what's important to different people.
1: Right. So it really comes down to somebody's mindset then. When, Mm -hmm. when we're talking about reactions and making Mm -hmm. people feel comfortable, I I I think at the end of the day, like it's fine to like, uh, you know, tell them, Hey, you shouldn't care this, that, and the other, you know, maybe people do, do care and it does bother them. But at the same time, you're running a business Uh, and I think it it comes down to professionalism. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: Be professional in your reaction. Does that make sense? It, exactly. I find right. you have a problem with two women, uh, marrying each other. Okay. But still be professional about it. Be professional how you address them. Be professional how yeah. you react. If you do find out that they are married, be professional about how you de- and deal with that. Yeah. Be respectful and be professional because at the end of the day, you know, there are customers they need to be taken care of. And,
2: mm-hmm. and, they've and, come and to then you that's it.
1: Help. What's that? Yeah. yeah.
2: And they've come to you for help.
1: Yeah, and they've come to you for you to help, and, and do do the best you can, and you should do that with absolutely everybody. Absolutely. You know, it-
2: and what I could yeah, and what I could tell you about like the um, you know the LGBTQ community is that if you treat people just with respect, you will get an insanely loyal customer base out of it. Because as a community, we're pretty interconnected and everybody talks. And oftentimes people, you know, like in any other community, like a church, you ask like, hey, who, who, where, who should fix my car or who should I get to fix my roof? You know, there's so if you build your relationship as a welcoming, accepting place, or they can get their car fixed, right? Like you will gain an insanely loyal customer base out of that. And not just from, you know, from a, an entire community. Like even here in Oakland, there are certain shops that, you know, people go to.
1: Do you, do you think it's because they've made an effort? Like if they made an explicit effort or do you think it's just, Hey, they were very nice to me. They were very respectful. Because I, be I don't nice know that I'm
2: and respectful, yeah,
1: yeah. It, it, there was a there's a website. Uh, it, I think it's called Gaberhood.
2: Oh uh, yeah, there's like Gaberhood. There's pink spots. There's um, there's a, a lot of different. Okay.
1: Well, this one was specifically calling my mm-hmm. shop, <laughs> wanting me to yeah. advertise with them, um, and, and I, I didn't. But
2: yeah.
1: It's, you could see a shop jumping in there and saying, okay, I'm going to specifically market to these people. Um, and, and that's fine. I, I guess, I don't know. I try not to pander. Like I really hate pandering. That just drives me bananas. But there, there's one thing if you're specifically, um, I, I, you know, I, I'm talking about like displaying maybe signage or, you know, putting the rainbow flag off front or whatever, like, that's a shop that's painted, it, to a yeah. certain degree no you know that they, is. They, they like, like if you
2: were not if you were if you were not <laughs> gay or lesbian and you had a gay flag out in front of your shop then that would be if you weren't yeah. if you were then you know you're more just kind of you know that would be more appropriate.
1: announcing it yeah 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 so i mean and i guess that's my point is um it's it so we have a there's a franchise in Kansas City and they're they're all over the country they're called Christian Brothers oh yeah I'm sure you're familiar and you don't have to say anything if they're a huge customer of yours but uh, <laughs> they pander and I I have a a huge problem with it because one there there shouldn't be any intermixing like yes I I am a Christian and I but I don't and and I'm like you can see it in my social profiles. People know, at least people that look know, but it's whatever, right? But when you walk into my my shop, I don't have a giant cross. You know, I don't have memorabilia. You know, I'm not trying to get into the the doctrine behind or anything like that. We can have that conversation if somebody wants to PM me. But, you know, I, I don't, it's not, it's not over. And you could make it low key. I remember I kind of kicked myself because I should have called made the name of my shop the um Golden Rule Auto Repair. And I think um isn't uh what's his face yeah. from Auto Text Me. Isn't that his yeah, name? The name of his shop. Yeah. Isn't it Golden mm-hmm. Rule? Yeah, he well, got a
2: couple of
1: them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So back in the day I used to I used to sell parts to us uh this like one man shop and super sweet guy. He never bought anything from me, but he was super, super nice to me every time he came into the shop trying to sell him stuff. And, and that was the name of the shop. And I always admired the name of the shop. It was very low key. It wasn't overt. Like you didn't have Bible verses all over the the, the, mm-hmm. the walls or whatever. He wasn't pandering. I, I think the name of the shop is, is pandering. Like it's trying to it's trying to lower people's guard artificially. They haven't earned it. Mm-hmm. You, you see what I'm saying? Like yeah. they have. you haven't walked into that shop and they haven't made it abundantly evident that they're looking out for your best interests first and foremost. And I think that's almost what I try to avoid. I'm almost, uh, I almost try too hard to avoid doing that, uh, in the way I market and the way, you know, I present myself. I am okay with, uh, whoever walking into my door. I don't give two craps. I don't care. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I don't care what the bits look like or what bits like to mush together. Like I don't care. Yeah. You do you. I'll do me. It's fine. Everything. At the end of the day, I'm trying to be professional, respectful, and I just want to take care of you and your vehicle. That's it. And i I hope that's at least appreciated. And I guess that's what I'm asking is that is that at least appreciated in the community versus something like a Christian Brothers that is that they're they're bringing people in because they they've lowered their guard these evangelicals or whoever they identify as quote unquote Christian. And so they're walking into this building thinking, well, the name is Christian brothers. Like they're going to take care of us. You know, they've got the Jesus fish and that, no, you you have no idea. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's hard to say, like, I usually, when I look for places I I will sometimes, um, especially if I'm traveling, I will look at like a guide, um, that, you know, which was, guides
1: I would like to know which ones I advertised, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just
2: <kidding. Yeah. laughs> but just, especially when I get out of my own neighborhood and, and out of my own state, basically just when I'm traveling, I will look because I do have concerns at times about my safety in certain areas. And especially if we're going on a vacation or something like that, um, I will look and we will research certain areas to make sure that we're going to be comfortable there. Um, so that's kind of a, an added added layer. And in turn, you know, if I'm going to have service people in my house, if if I'm going to take my car somewhere, um, you know, I will do a certain amount of research to make sure um, is
1: it enough to mark yourself that you're accepting on google did you see that google so. like my business added that
2: oh no i haven't even seen that that's interesting. yeah
1: so yeah i mean
2: i would think yeah so you could sort who wouldn't check yeah. that
1: i mean other than people that don't check their mind google my no business. i think that Who'd some go, people wouldn't no, i need to make sure think. i leave that as a no
2: <laughs> yeah i mean i think i think that a lot of people wouldn't check that and that's fine. And I think that's actually a good thing. So that way when you, you know when you go in what, what yeah. you're looking at and that they're looking for certain, you know, a certain type of clientele.
1: I, I think they we're trying to like appeal to that or at least not appeal. That, that isn't the right word. We're trying to speak to the 60% because you're going to have the 20% that are either like they're, they're going to be very accepting of it or they're part of the community or whatever. And then you're going right. to have the 20% that are just. They, they don't want them in there they don't want to, they don't want to see yeah. it they don't want to hear about it they're just uncomfortable with the whole thing right they're they're intolerant of it at, at, at all levels
3: yeah.
1: and but you then you have everybody in the middle and that's why I was talking about reactions being professional and respectful in the way mm-hmm. you react to things and don't be surprised if two women come in and they're married you know yeah. be understanding, be respectful and and just be conscious of it and know. Hey, I I shouldn't make a face or I got to be very careful about how I react to that because I don't, I don't want to come off as the, even if it's innocent, I don't want to come off as disrespectful or weirded out or anything like that. I don't want to make them uncomfortable. So I need to be Mm -hmm. very, I have to be very deliberate about my reaction. And I I don't think a lot of people put a lot of thought into it. And and that's really why we wanted to have you on is, is just, you could at least speak to, I don't come back to a place if they make me feel weird just because i'm standing next to my wife does that make sense
2: exactly no and that's exactly it it's just you know making people feel comfortable and not making assumptions and um and also once they are um once you are aware you then you know, it, in a normal situation, like if you acknowledge it, you know, like if I'm picking up something, like if I drop my car off and and, you know, that my wife usually picks it up, you know, just addressing, hey, is your wife going to pick it up? When I had my shop, I would make those notes in my computer about, you know, who is married to who and who the spouse was and, and make you know just some basic notes so when people came in that you were you had a better idea about who you were were working with
0: so let me ask a question there's an added layer of complexity here mm-hmm. right so as business owners it's one thing for us to say that right
3: mm-hmm.
0: but we have staff and we yeah. have that service advisor on the front counter who may feel differently we have that technician who may feel differently. We talk about being inclusive in the shops. We talk about um, making sure our workforce is diverse. How do we, as owners, create an environment? You know, it, <laughs> I want to be careful how I say this. If yeah. if someone believes they don't want to to associate with something like that, it bothers them. My belief is. That's your choice. Your feelings are your feelings, and you should probably distance yourself from that situation, right? Because yeah. I don't need any trouble in the shop. If if you can't control your mouth and you can't control um, an attitude, and we don't have that problem here, right? Mm-hmm. But how do we as owners approach this when it comes to having, you know, a, a staff member who may not. Be open to this, may not be open to serving a client with respect and dignity um, how do we how do we go about that? I mean what i I know how I would handle it. How would you handle it if you had a shop? What would you do?
2: Well, I think it's important that the culture of the shop is set by the owner, right? So in your shop, you have a inclusive environment, you know. You have women at the counter, you have women women technicians, and you create this environment in your shop. And if somebody doesn't, you know, match that how how you feel and or not even not necessarily how you feel, but if somebody's gonna have a problem working with a diverse clientele and that's what you have in your shop, then it's probably not a good fit for your shop. Right. And if somebody's just a loose cannon, I mean. Like, yeah, it's a a yeah, it's the loose cannons you got to worry about. Yeah. the ones that spit off at the mouth. In, exactly. If you have a woman working in your shop and the guys there and you're, the guys aren't going to be able to control what they're saying, you know, to a woman at the counter, that's going to make your employees, um, you know, uh, uncomfortable. So you have to just, you know, a lot of it is about fit. Do, are the, are they a
0: cultural fit for your shop right well you know that adds a, a an even more aggressive layer of complexity tech shortage um <laughs> you know we
1: we we <laughs> well, find ourselves exactly like there's it's coaching in the industry, though right? right yeah yeah well yeah i'm, I'm okay with that it, it's just if you've got somebody in the shop and look i i've got somebody in the shop that if you have the wrong political bumper sticker on the on the vehicle he starts to you know spout off at the mouth which david you don't need to you don't (laughs) need to extract yourself from the situation you can admit it you it's okay i just just told (laughs) you like i said it's like i don't care i don't care i don't i don't I may not agree with it and it might bother me. L- Listen, if if you
0: if you were to get a video of David's shop, you would you would watch him walk by the back of a car looking at that sticker saying, I don't care, I don't care, I don't care, I yeah. don't care, I don't care, I
3: don't care. I don't care. Well, Making a circle it, behind you're, it. Yeah. Yeah,
1: um I'm, I'm uh, you're right. But I have to communicate that with my, my tech too. Yeah. Because, you know, he'll throw a hissy fit and be like what does it matter? Who cares? It's just a vehicle. They're like, paying ignore the dollar? Sticker.
2: Yeah. Get their money. Get the money.
1: <laughs> yeah. Just, just take care of it like it's anything else. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter.
2: <laughs> and, you know, uh, one of the things that we had talked about in our conversation, David, was the women in the industry. And why aren't there more women in the industry? And that was, so that was one that was one of the things that prompted um you know this yeah. this podcast and it kind of it all kind of rolls in together it's like
1: yeah i think for a a woman to want to get into the industry they have to have a, a certain level of mental fortitude
3: mm-hmm
1: which the majority of the, uh, the, the women pop woman population may not have. And in other words, like I could go into field a or field B, but field B I have to have like really tough skin because I will be a, like a very, very small minority. And you know, I may not, I may get extra crap. I may, you know, have people spouting off at the mouth. I may get a lot of sexist comments. I may get a lot of innuendo thrown at me. And they have to almost be okay coming into the industry knowing that that's going to end up hitting them. Where if they go to field A, they don't have to put up with any of that garbage.
2: Yeah.
1: And so they just so go, maybe, eh. So the
2: industry needs to really look at that. and Yeah.
1: Um,
2: you know, address <laughs> it because... I mean, I've been in the auto industry for 30 years and have worked in shops as a technician, I've worked as service advisors, worked at dealerships, and it is very much, you do have to have a a bit of a thicker skin. Um, And my kind of party line has always been um, to, you know, make people aware when when they do say something that is out of line um, and that kind of crosses the line in a, in a gentle way. You know, I usually will address it like, hey, would you want your daughter to hear that?
0: Right. Yeah.
2: You know, and I've told oh, I've uh, told people before, you know, I, I'm somebody's daughter.
0: Right. Being a father of a daughter changes your whole life perspective. Being a father, period changes your whole life perspective. When my little girl was born, I went to my mom and dad with tears in my eyes and I said, I am so sorry. I never realized how much you love me. I you know, I have yeah. screwed the pooch. Trust me, I get it. <laughs> um and and you know, I I I see a lot of um I see a lot of of these issues where people are opening their mouths and saying things they shouldn't say. And and you know, we talk about the the situation where we posted something and somebody said something nasty about Bridget putting bald tires yeah. back on a car or something like that. Yeah, and and that. it's interesting mm-hmm. because Bridget's like, you think that bothers me? Pff, I don't care. I, I work with your technicians every day. If that's the worst thing I hear, <laughs> you know, Yeah. Um. and and so that was reassuring. But one of the things that I found so interesting about it was, is that I was talking to a friend of mine who works with Jasper. And he mm-hmm. said, do you know that the majority of our workforce is now female? Wow. And I said, really? And he said, yep. He said, you know why? I said, why? He said, because they're a whole lot better at men than the job. And I said, what do you mean? He said, there's specific jobs that they perform a far, far better um, job performance or quality control measure than their male counterpart." Yeah. And, and we were talking about transmissions and he said, small, detailed, intricate work. They think about what they're doing before they do it. And so I started mm-hmm. paying attention to that when I came back and, and, you know, that was actually during one of the, the Jasper tours where you go up and look at the factory, the whole nine yards. And when I came back, I was noticing things after that conversation because they've, they've done a whole study on it. They have all these great statistics. Mm-hmm. And when I came back, I was paying attention to the way that my wife operates versus how I operate, right? I'm, br- I'm, I am blunt force. I yeah. am give me a problem. I will solve it. Even if it doesn't mm-hmm. need to be solved, I'm at it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, and she's methodical and she thinks it through and she thinks about what the consequences of this action or that action. And I'm over here like, could you just do it already? Then Like, yeah. the let's go. <laughs> and she, you know, so if we do the same task, it will take me an hour and a half, and and I'll be freaking out at her 30 minutes of planning, and it will take her 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. I'm like, damn it. She beat me yeah. again. And it's it's a, really, it's a really cool thing when you dig into the thought process. And you can watch the same thing with Bridget, right? Like one of our guys will be out here struggling with a bolt, and Bridget will walk in, and she'll look at it, and she'll turn her head this way, that way, and she'll say, oh, I'll just do this. Right.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: Damn it. Uh, you know, and it, it's it's understanding a different thought process. We mm-hmm. don't all think the same way. And it yeah. was really neat to see that at Jasper, that that they had found that this stereotypical view of women was was incorrect. Right. That 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 women can be extremely Extremely valuable to our workforce, especially in the automotive field, because they are so detail oriented. Mm -hmm. So I think that it it speaks volumes to that, 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 you know, and and seeing Bridget work in the shop, I'm going to tell you something that that has made a believer out of me. I've got absolutely no doubt that she's going to become a fantastic technician and we Mm -hmm. will look to find every female technician we can to put in the shop.
2: And it's hard to find them. And I think one of the things that I always talk about, because, you know, the question comes up is why there's not more women in the automotive industry. And people will say like, oh, because of men. And I mean, that's like a very simple answer. But I think it goes back to, you know, kids and how you're socialized. And there's right. boy toys and there's girls girl toys and then you know, imagery in ads and movies and all different, you know, forms of media. So you're constantly bombarded with different like you go to McDonald's and they ask you, do you want the boy toy or the girl toy in the Happy Meal? It's like, why is there a boy toy and a girl toy? I grew up playing with all the boys in my neighborhood because they had all the toys I wanted to play with. I didn't want to play with my toys (laughs) that people had given me. Those were not the toys I wanted to play with. I wanted to play with the toys that all the boys had. And I think as a society, if we want to open it up more and have it be more inclusive, it needs to start with these are toys, which toys would you like to play with? And, you know, when you're choosing your electives, you know, putting it out there with these are the electives for everybody. And we have an auto shop and really working hard to make that an inclusive environment where, you know, young women will be comfortable because one of the things I know that my dad was fearful of when I went to—I had graduated from college and decided I didn't like that and that I was going to go to trade school. You know, he was one of his things was his big things was how are they going to treat you there? They're not going to accept you there.
0: You know, it, it's it's interesting. I I think that that as we look back over the past, you know. 10 to 15 years, we've seen tremendous change
3: mm-hmm.
0: it in in all aspects of life. Right. Um, I still remember talking to my uncle on the telephone in the kitchen with a cord that was like 10 miles long.
2: Mm-hmm. Right.
0: The thought it's all of a, stretched a, right? out
2: you had walked around. Yeah.
0: <laughs> right. And, and, and the thought of a cordless phone was, you know, unheard of. And, and so the world is changing in a, in a mind blowing pace. um, you said something that stuck out to me and and it really comes back to something that's happening in in the schools in a big way um, especially when it comes to skilled trades period right now I know we're we're on a completely different subject in a lot of ways, but the way that the guidance counselors the way that the school system filters um and I want to say this very cautiously, the way that that they help determine which student should go into a skilled trades class in some ways is almost as if saying you're not good enough for anything else.
2: Mm-hmm. It's entirely you're, what they're
1: doing. What
2: are you talking about? Exactly and what it is. And I think well,
1: across the board, you'll see that girls on average perform better academically than boys. And so the, the, the dumb boys, they, they can't manage anything past D's. They get shoved into shop class because they can't do anything else. And the, the girls, at least academically are doing very well. They disproportionately end up going to college. And so they're moving into, you know, white collar jobs and the, the only ones left, are the underperforming academically at least male counterparts and that's it which is unfortunate there because the i don't think it f- properly represents the skills needed in the industry today or what's going to be needed here in 5 to 10 years you're going to need I mean, a, a very intelligent person meticulous person like you were you were talking about Lucas and so that a female student may need to be at least offer the option of going into a tech-heavy field like the automotive, mm-hmm. automotive industry and say, hey, you have the aptitude and the mind for this. You're a problem solver. You're very good at it. You should consider you the, should the consider automotive this. industry. And and that's not what's happening, which is entirely you look unfortunate. Look
2: at the technology that's coming out. You know, I'm it's insane. Right yeah, now. it's absolutely insane. With the ADAS calibrations, the level of complexity and the level of, detail oriented
1: um you should see these screens have you seen mercedes new screen that they're gonna be they're they're at least demoing to put into their vehicles they're just like massive touch screens that go across the entire dash
3: oh yeah it's ridiculous
1: how are you going to diagnose and repair that properly if you don't you know if the only thing you can do is steering and and suspension work just you know
2: you're not i mean you're not i i recently just bought um a toyota mariah which is their new hydrogen vehicle it's my second one and the level of tech on that vehicle is insane so
1: and are there any independent repair shops in your area that can handle that
2: absolutely not
1: yeah you're going back to the dealership
2: you're going back to the dealer toyota doesn't even want The tires changed by anybody but the dealer and they're so committed to that that they're they're paying for it so if you blow a tire in in, during your warranty period they will fix that tire for free
1: that's unbelievably cool technology that should be instead of everybody going to electric vehicles uh, you know that's the big push now
2: podcast yeah
1: well it just it irritates me. There's better technology out there that would just you know hydrogen is i, I get it it's, it's a little amazing. bit more dangerous, but there isn't I, I had a gentleman he was uh he was cleaning up a rental house he was and we were looking at it for my mother and we and he he told me he had a diesel truck sitting outside and he was talking about how they're talking about rolling out a gas tax and now I guess the somebody had mentioned um I think it was the transportation secretary, maybe it wasn't, but, uh, talking about taxing you per mile that you drive in an mm-hmm. effort to, you know, cut down on emissions or whatever. But I, I told him, I said, um, he's like, man, I don't, I don't know how you're going to be able to transition to a hundred percent electric GM saying that they're going to transition hundred percent electric by 2035. And, yeah. and I, I told him, I said, there's very good technology out there that is entirely viable that you know, puts out water vapors into the atmosphere. So the problem was the infrastructure. Like there's no refilling stations in Kansas city for hydrogen. Otherwise I would totally buy a hydrogen vehicle.
2: Yeah. There's only in California and I think they're building some in Hawaii right now. But I mean, in terms of technology, I think a hydrogen is an amazing resource and, My two hydrogen vehicles that I've owned, so I own my second one now, have been my favorite vehicles. Um, They've run flawlessly. One of the really big things about them um, that people don't realize, so it's essentially, it's an electric vehicle, and the battery is charged by a hydrogen fuel cell. The battery is about a tenth the size of a normal battery that you'd find in an electric car. because it's just continuously being charged by the hydrogen. My new vehicle gets about... 400 miles to the gallon for to the pound 400 miles to the tank um the the previous model was about 300 miles to the tank so that that's you know a good
1: that's a normal car
2: that's a normal car
1: you're not having uh, to worry about the battery dying on you and then having to go to one of those supercharging stations like with teslas yeah like there's no driving i have a friend who just bought a tesla and he understands he used to drive to colorado constantly in his subaru now he knows he can't he has to go rent a car because the the tesla won't make it and it's yeah it's a cool car i get it it's a very cool car it is but like you're saying like the the batteries are enormous the only way that yeah like that's entirely always not not only that it's incredibly harmful to the earth creating that battery to begin with
2: Mm -hmm. yeah
1: there are better technologies out there, but whatever reason people get hung up on this flipping electric vehicles anyway. Yeah. But I'll be yeah, servicing no, them. I'm... Don't worry. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I'll be don't servicing them. The orange wire. <laughs> bring your fine. Prius down here. I'll be happy to service that electric vehicle for you. Um, whatever.
2: Yeah.
1: Jill, if you don't want us to bring this up you can say no i'll pass
2: what is it
1: repair pal yes what
2: about repair pal
1: i'll let lucas tell you go lucas what? What are you talking
3: <laughs> <about>?
1: <laughs> dutch hates repair pal <laughs> dutch hates repair pal so uh, here's the thing like so i signed up with repair yeah. pal like in 2014 i mean it's a long yes. time ago okay and I understood the value behind RepairPal and not necessarily that they quote unquote price things out. I never mm-hmm. saw the estimators being that big a deal. One, because most of the yeah. customers that called didn't know anything about the estimator. They yeah. were calling because RepairPal did such a good job with their SEO that when somebody mm-hmm. typed in a problem, RepairPal's website would pop up first because just the way the website was designed. Mm-hmm. And so, they would see this website that was offering some solutions and then they would throw up there hey why don't you go to a repair pal certified shop and there
3: mm-hmm.
1: there my shop would be yes that's how it used to work and you know it was like it's 200 bucks it's it's always been 200 bucks a month and yeah. sometimes you'd get a customer out of it sometimes you wouldn't maybe you'd get two or three in a month or you wouldn't mm-hmm. get any it just you know it was varying degrees yeah. of success and then you guys hooked up with carmax Either they bought mm-hmm. a section of you or whatever, and yeah,
2: CarMax is an investor in your pal.
1: Yeah, and I have a I have a Mac uh, CarMax like less than a mile from my shop, and oh man, mm-hmm. I, it 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 was it, now it's well worth the two hundred plus the ten percent whatever yeah. because I'm bringing in people with uh, you know slightly newer vehicles, but they're out of warranty. Most of them are, mm-hmm. and. They're nicer vehicles. They they may have the max care warranty, but maybe they don't. And if they Mm -hmm. don't, you know, or they're just, it's expiring or whatever. 95% of the customers that come in spend good money with me. Mm -hmm. 70% of them are repeat customers and they keep coming back again and again and again. Past, past, hey, this is past the initial repair. This yeah. is like they're coming in for oil changes, they're coming in for regular services, breaks, things that are not covered by MaxCare. And once the warranty uh, runs out, you know, it, they still come in.
2: They still come in as your customer. Yeah, yeah,
1: they're they're good customers. I find it incredibly valuable, and I understand everybody's like um, problem with the the way like you have to you have to do the diagnostic work first. And then uh, and, you, and then you have to call in with a problem and you might end up having to eat the Diag or you have to make the customer pay for the Diag. And deal, that's all dealing with a warranty company. And I get that. yeah, I'm okay with it. But there are a lot of shops that are not. And they get really irritated with the billing system. <laughs> and, and they think that, oh, they're robbing me because I'm not paying yeah. attention to it. One, I don't know why you wouldn't be paying attention to it. But two, like they think, I don't know. There's a lot of misconceptions and there are a lot of dissenters and I'm not trying yeah. to, I, I'll, I'll side on repair. I try to defend them online. I do. Yeah. But there I are mean, those it, that you do know, not. It
2: depends on where you want to get business and, and how
1: it, it's not even that though, Jill, they're saying that yeah. they're that like you take somebody like Dutch who is like very anti repair pal. He thinks that repair pal is ruining the industry. Or at least helping mm-hmm. helping to ruin the industry. Um,
2: well, a lot of people m- maybe have because have issues like with the Escamator.
1: Um, well, yeah, the, Dutch is um, is unique, but yeah. <laughs> he brings up <laughs> well, you know, this like, article from like the 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 person that started RepairPal when they oh God, they yeah. initially yeah. created it. They talked about how you know. The shops there, are shops out there, cheating people, and well, we're going to you know, put a stop to it, and this, that, and the other. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? They've changed. That, that's not. Yeah. I don't see that as being the way that they are.
2: I mean, but our let me now speak for, to you. What do you think? We're we're for customers who in the re, to help them with the repair and carrying of their car, but we're also for the shops that are invested in doing those things right. So when RepairPal first started, so I've been at RepairPal eight years. um, And when we first started uh, in 2007, it was just the estimator. And they built the estimator and the estimator at that point was all hand built. And that was a product that they put out there for consumers. Shortly after that, there was a leadership change, and um, we the estimator was still there. And then we created the certified shop network, and that was built out of just asking people, like, "Hey, David, if your daughter was in San Francisco and her car broke down, where would you tell her to go?" Yeah. And most shop owners at that point said, "I don't know," and then they asked then asked the question. So what would you look for in a shop to send your daughter to? And he still didn't know. So over the initial auto team at RepairPal came up with a criteria for shops that involves it's basic stuff. Are you up to date on your training? Do you have the right tools and equipment? Do you treat your customers well? Those are like the tenements. Of, of our program, it's just are you a shop that's invested in doing it right? And then, you know, we we do have incredible SEO. <laughs> that's you know, I thought that was
1: the big appeal at the beginning because you know it you're, was at
2: the uh, beginning. Yeah, I was a small beginning.
1: shop and I didn't have the money or the the presence to rank locally. But if I was a repair pal certified shop. I could rank and, you know, along with repair RepairPal.
2: Yeah, and that's still an important part is the SEO that we drive. Um, but it, we get about, during normal times, we get about 6 million site visitors a month. During COVID, we actually have gotten in the 4 million um, range per month. So, you know, we convert that traffic and send it to shops. But, you know, as we grew as a company, we we pivoted a little bit and created the partner platform. So what we've done is we've created a three-sided marketplace where you have consumers, you have shops, and you have partners. And we partner with the partners, right? With CarMax, with USAA, with Verizon Wireless. Now these are big partners that you know as as an individual shop owner, you don't really have a way to make a relationship with those big entities but those big yeah. entities control a lot of people you know carmax with their max care warranty and carmax is, is they do have service centers but their primary objective is to sell cars and to recondition cars for um to for them, sale yeah. Yeah. not to do consumer facing auto repair so that's why they send them to our shops because I don't know if you've ever bought a car from CarMax but it's a pretty good experience. There's no negotiation, they treat you really well. You know, they lay out the different options, you can buy the warranties, it's not a super hard sell. It's a good yeah. experience. And in 2016 they came to RepairPal because they wanted to stop sending a ton of work to franchise dealers. Because if a car goes to a franchise dealer, then. Yeah, that makes sense. The they're going to lose gonna that deal, customer. Yeah. They're going to they lose that comp- customer, right? Yeah. So if they keep them in a good quality independent, then.
1: Who doesn't sell cars? They're, they're like, they're gonna, I'm not selling cars. Who doesn't sell cars? Yeah, yeah. Who
2: doesn't sell cars? Then they can, you know, retain those customers, hopefully, as, as their own. And then during that time when they were vetting our network, because at the at the time, and I think now we have the largest network of of um, independent shops that's not a franchise that mm-hmm. we don't you know kind of have like a franchise light or or <laughs> it's hard to you know it's it's hard to um describe, but you know we have an audience of these shops that we've vetted that do a good job and that we're comfortable sending um customers too. So CarMax vetted us for a couple of years and then decided to invest. So they've invested in us and and they're committed to making the partnership work. And it's working really, really well. The NPS, which is the net promoter score, um, our average shop in our network has a net NPS of in the 70s, which is really high. But through our partner programs, our, our net promoter score is in the 80s. So it really proves to them that our shops do care and our shops do treat customers well. And we also have, you know, we've put together internal support team. So, you know, you brought up um, the issue of the warranty company. If you as a repair pal shop have an issue with the warranty company, you can call our in-house support team and we'll we'll help mitigate that situation. We will be a neutral third party in the middle and help and
1: And i've never i I think i've had to use it once but you almost have a little bit of weight you can push back on the warranty company you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. i think the warranty company for the most part is decently fair (laughs) Mm
2: -hmm. Um, you know and it depends on which ones like we we have over forty partners. well, I'm
1: talking about the Carmax ones the well, CarMax other is, the other warranty CarMax companies is definitely
2: great.
1: I think my issue with with the and important Lucas doesn't want to get involved in any of this here but <laughs> yeah. um the, the my issue with some of these other warranty companies Carmax sells their warranty in a very specific fashion, and when mm-hmm. the customer comes in they understand their warranty they understand what's covered what's not covered they understand their deductible they understand that is not how these other warranties are being sold to the customer these are being bought yeah. at some random dealership and they they come in with completely different expectations
2: they and bought they don't understand like, they bought a you must
1: have a different one. carmax than i do yeah well my carmax does a fantastic job of selling their carmax warranty
0: <laughs> well with I, you, I, I ran into a situation where, and 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 Joe, you're welcome to go back and look yeah. and and see what happened. I mean, uh, one of my clients had something that should have been covered, and they weren't going to cover it. They weren't going to cover, and I can't even remember the exact details of the situation. That's when I said, yeah. I, "I'm not doing this," because they absolutely, even in their documents, said it should be covered. I went to RepairPal, and they said, "Look, you know, we've tried, but but they're they're not budging on this. They're not going to do this." And um, I had lost faith in the program and they had lost faith in me. And they, they were tired of me saying, look, you're not treating your clients properly. This client wasn't taken care of. You know, it, it, we, we saw a couple of situations where CarMax should be buying the vehicle back. They were unsafe. They should not be on the highway. Huh. And, and I said, look, I'm not tying my reputation to CarMax anymore. And, yeah. and I'm going to tell you what, since we, we cut ties now, it may just be the CarMax that's here locally um and and we we had seven situations in our time that we were with RepairPal that someone from that CarMax called and said hey uh can we just keep this between us and and we'll just we'll just pay you
1: what? Uh, yeah, oh, wow. we'll just, <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah, no, we'll, we'll just pay you.
0: Yeah, but don't don't turn this in on the warranty. We, we there there was a misunderstanding. We, we don't tell the client, but we're just going to
1: take care of this.
0: And that's that a poorly not Car Max.
1: This it CarMax is, that we have up here at our near our shop is enormous and they sell so many cars. I've never I've I haven't ran into a vehicle that's come in that's been just a it shouldn't have been sold. I have a lot yeah. of used vehicles that are recently sold that shouldn't have been sold. At least not presented to the customer the way it was presented because you know they walked in thinking they they have a good car. I just bought it and the the things That's really
2: interesting because I've been in and out of huge Carmax production facilities, and the way in which they run the cars through is so incredibly efficient, and the things that they look at like it's all consistent and efficient. And it's, it's a pretty like strict line about what they fix um, right.
3: yeah.
2: and what they consider, you know, to be something. And I, my, I send everybody like, you want to buy a used car, you should go to CarMax. <laughs> right.
3: Um, right.
2: Cause you know, now they have their 30 day, love your car guarantee. So they'll take yeah. their car back in 30 days. They'll, they do those things. So it, maybe it's just the CarMax in your area
1: um i have ran into situations where like my (laughs) i remember in in one particular instance we used to redact our our prices because they would agree to i'm going to pay you a hundred dollars for that part and it's like okay well if i can find that part if you know my price was 80 but i can find it for 60 and i can make the extra 20 bucks you know what do you care you agreed to 100 bucks you pay me my 100 bucks and let's just move on And I get on the phone with this guy, and he's just, I mean, he was giving me the runaround. And I'm like, dude, are you either paying me or we're not? What are we doing here? Why do you have me on the phone for more than two minutes on this? (laughs) And he's like, well, I just wanted to let you know that we would normally not accept this. But because you are a CarMax, uh, you're a MaxCare shop, uh, we're going to go ahead and pay this. I'm like, okay, why did you have to tell me that? What difference would it have made that I didn't need to know any of that. I I don't care that you wouldn't have paid me normally. I wouldn't be calling you but because we're a MaxCare warranty shop. I'm calling you to have this thing handled, just handle it, you know, and I'm not picking on the warranty company. It was just this one individual. Um, I think
2: it's like, it's like anything else. Sometimes you get an individual because it's not CarMax administered. There's warranty administrators. Um, in yeah. the industry, you know, it's um the warranty group is a huge one. They do a lot of administration for the warranties. And what we Do you guys do keep an general, advisory yeah. board? We do. We have a of
1: like shop owners?
2: hmm Yeah. We, we Malvi do ones? A, yeah. They're yeah. Hey listen, I've me, got a, I've got a guy's some, telephone uh, number. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there are some uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we we have quite a we have a a group. Um, they that internally, when we partner with different people, or we have questions or we want to know things, we'll send it out to this group. And
1: They're, they so, must be they must not be giving you like good feedback here because, like it's something, there was an email that recently rolled out a repair. But I want you guys had partnered with like five or six new partners, so there were new groups. Mm-hmm. And some of these were warranty companies, and some of these weren't warranty companies I don't even remember mm-hmm. that they, they had strange names and they were yeah. just you know a lot of some of these were they sounded like startups or whatever but the value that they thought they were bringing to the interaction to the to the relationship to the transaction sounded very anti shop owner like hmm it was uh, it was a little too heavy on the pro consumer with
3: mm-hmm.
1: uh, with undertones that we know you're screwing people, so we're stepping in to help and mm-hmm. it it got to the point and it it was so egregious, and this is why I'm pointing it out that shop owners were screenshotting the email and posting it up in the shop owner forums,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: then it turned into a let's dump on repair pal, yeah. Because of the email and the verbiage that was used. And that's why I'm asking, do you guys have an advisory? That should have been vetted. Because I can guarantee well, we you, like if that had gone out to me, I would have been very clear to you, this does not sound like it's a win-win for the shop and yeah. repair pal and the consumer. Like This looks like you're going to cut into it, into your profitability. You're going to cut into you know your processes your systems with the Mm -hmm. hope of gaining a customer and you know take take our crumbs pleb and enjoy it that's what it looked like and these are shop owners did not uh, look favorably on this email yeah Um,
2: no i think i know i know what you're referring to um but so i I do. Yeah. So in terms of that, what <laughs> we do no. internally, no, it's okay. I, I, there's been a lot of talk about this particular thing. We have created like from that feedback, what we do, what we have done is create different tiers and you may be, I don't know if you've talked to your account manager, um, but we put different partners in different tiers based on different feedback we get, um, based on negotiated labor rates, based on all different things. And then we make all of our partnerships optional. So you can go through and you can cherry pick which partners you want and which partners you don't. Because we do, that email went out to like what we probably you know, to the advisory committee, to uh, different groups, just to kind of see how people <laughs> um, <laughs> <React>. <laughs> are, are, are thinking about it. Yeah, And, um, and then we, we take that feedback out and, and we incorporate it and we try to make changes.
1: Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the ASOG podcast. If you'd like to catch these episodes early, you can do so by becoming a patron. Just go to asog.site and click on the Become a Patron Now button. Becoming a patron helps support the show, gets you several perks, and is tax-deductible. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and to the YouTube channel. And as always, you can direct all your angry comments to my email, david at asog.site. That's D-A-V-I-D at A-S-O-G dot S-I-T-E. Until next time.